Listen up, ladies and gentlemen. This is Cinemaster's Park. All our shadows disappeared. The animals inside came out to play. When face to face with all our fears, learned our lessons through the tears, made memories we knew would never fade. One day my father, he told me, son, don't let it slip away. He took me in his arms, I heard him say. When you get older, your wild heart will live for younger days. Hello and welcome to episode 57 of the Cinemasters podcast, because we're good at things. Uh, as always, I am Daniel James. I'm Jacob Lynn. I'm Andrew Miller. And I'm Tyler Crouch. Yeah. And we're awesome at things. True we story. Are. Everything is awesome. Especially being like really busy and having lives and stuff. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it's been a while, uh, so we're just going to kind of play catch-up today and get caught up on all sorts of stuff that we've been watching this summer, and then we'll be back on track and start getting into a schedule again. Um, so, as we get into our trailer section, why don't we, you know, remind people who we are and what we've been up to for the last yeah. couple months and then go with our uh, news-related item. So, yeah. Go, team, go. Jacob. All right. Uh, I guess I'll start things off. Yeah, this is Jacob. Um, past couple months, it's mostly just been working and wedding planning. Um, getting married at the end of October. So that's coming up pretty good. It's actually what I was doing uh, before this call, was just getting invite stuff and all that. All that good stuff ready to go, um, and and that actually uh, ties in a little bit to what my new story is going to be, uh, oddly enough, which is uh, that they just announced at D23, the big Disney uh, entertainment expo, uh, Bob Iger, who's the CEO, announced that they were going to have two huge expansions, and each um, each park, uh, Disney World and Disneyland, was each going to get a Star Wars-themed uh, park of their own, huge 14-acre parks or park attachments. And uh, I say that that somewhat connects with um, the what I've been doing because next year we're, we're not going on a honeymoon right after the wedding because of work and school stuff. But um, next year for our uh, – what would be our – third year dating anniversary will be down in Disneyland. Um, so I'm not expecting these parks to be available then. Probably, uh, it looked like not until uh, 2018, 2019 at the earliest, but um, my fiance loves Disneyland, and so I'd already been expecting to spend lots of vacations down there, and now some of those vacations in the future will be me running around Star Wars land, which is supposed to have every single thing in it tied into the Star Wars mythology with uh, um, what did Bob Iger said? He said, every inch of it will be from the series Mythos. Everything will tie in. 
there'll be cantinas operated by aliens and all the good stuff. So that gives me something to look forward to. And obviously everybody else who plans on going to either park. You are not the only one. Yeah, I, I didn't think I was. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm super stoked for this. We're going to Disney World sometime for our honeymoon. Um, and yeah, that'll be awesome. Even though that won't be ready yet. Uh, I don't, I don't know. This doesn't really seem like news. I think it's just a confirmation of what everyone thought was going to happen as soon as Disney bought Star Wars. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, the only thing that I'm possibly more excited about is Pandora Land or whatever they're calling it. Avatar. Uh Yeah, Avatar Land. The world of Pandora or something. Um, Where, like, the concept of it is brilliant. They're building the world of pandora in the animal kingdom in disney world and like the whole place is gonna like glow when you touch it like it does in the movie and yeah it just looks amazing like check out the concept art for that as well so little tag team on top of that jacob's story there but yeah it's good stuff good choices yeah, I can't. Yeah, it's gonna be so crowded. Yeah, I just keep thinking of how crowded it's gonna be. Yeah, it's gonna be <laughs> impossible to go there for like two or three years, uh, yeah. at least, until it starts getting settled in a little bit. So, cool. Um, speaking of Star Wars, Andrew, what do you have? Well, it is Star Wars weekend because it's the Disney. Yeah. Disney. Expo, Disney right? Con. So I guess mine's not as much news as it also as more of a clarification. But you know, the first spinoff Star Wars film that comes out after uh, Episode Seven is Star Wars Rogue One, which we already knew about. Uh, comes out not this December but next December. Uh, we know that it's about the fight for the, the to steal the uh, Death Star plans that are then given to Leia in the beginning of A New Hope. Uh, we knew that the cast was mostly going to be sort of low-level people, no, like, Jedis or, uh, no, not a lot of Force, uh, use, but mostly just uh, the sort of ground-level people. But what we know now that, uh, Kathleen Kennedy talked about was apparently it's going to take a look from a ground war perspective, which is interesting, because we don't usually see that. Uh, so prepare for more ground battles, I guess, more sort of insurgency and, uh, frontline work. Uh, so that should be interesting. They released the first cast photo, and you can tell that it's a very grimy uh, aesthetic, uh, very similar to the original trilogy. And it looks a little bit like you see some of the cast. It looks a little bit like a sort of dirty dozen kind of going on. They all kind of look a little different. And my guess is that's what it's going to be, sort of a suicide mission kind of uh, going down. Yeah. It, it's cool to see, like, the other side, the smaller um, story going on, as opposed to a giant intergalactic battle. So. I agree. Uh, I'm excited for it. Um, it's kind of, it's nice, like, just like Ant-Man wasn't this huge spectacle. Um, we'll get back to that later, but just kind of, it's going to be low-key and more of a heist-style movie, which is well, I'm hoping it's kind of be like with some battles, of course, but you know, the way 
leading up to everything. So, and the and the picture looks cool. The cast looks awesome. Um, so I'm really excited about that too. Cool. Yeah. Um, now for something a little bit different, Tyler. What do you got for us? <laughs> well, you know, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go on the other side of the spectrum, and uh, you know. This weekend, they announced that Colin Trevorrow will be directing the ninth Star Wars movie. Um, I'm really excited about that. Uh, I think he's a great director. Um, he's proven himself to be able to handle big movies and be successful with them. Um, I think uh, there really wasn't anyone else in my mind that I would have wanted other than him. I mean, I would have loved probably J.J. Abrams to do it because I already have a feeling – Episode seven is going to be out of this world, but he didn't want to get tied down directing all three movies like he would have with Star Trek. So pretty excited about Colin Trevorrow taking over the helm for nine. Yeah. Yeah. He's good. Um, yeah. What was his big one? Uh, he did Godzilla, right? No. Trevorrow? Okay, yeah, he did Jurassic World. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah. Godzilla Trevor guy Wolf is doing uh, Rogue, Rogue One. One. Yeah, no. Gareth Evans doing Rogue One. Um, Trevor also did the movie Safety Not Guaranteed, which I love too. Yeah, it's a um, fun movie. It's a great movie. Uh, so, I'm excited about that. I'm actually pretty bummed that he's he got the job. I I, I really like Safety <clears> Not Guaranteed, <throat> but I did not think he did a good job of Jurassic World, or at least he did a subpar job. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll talk so, more about Jurassic World yeah. later. Yeah, we'll um, we'll get we'll get into that later, I imagine. But I but I'm bummed with gonna, his choice. Like, I'm probably I, gonna I'm, fall in with Andrew. Kind of like I mean, J.J. Abrams, big visionary story. He's really a storyteller. As he, I mean, he he's so involved with things like these big narratives he's created, like Lost or uh, you know, Super Eight or whatnot. But he's a true storyteller. And then Ryan Johnson is the same. He's a writer and a director. Uh, Colin Trevorrow just seems more. I don't know. I, 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 it's it's a little lacking compared to the other two, in my opinion. Yeah, we will we'll see. Um, yeah, we'll discuss him more later. Uh, in Jurassic World. So, um, my big news is kind of the only thing that's stuck out to me in the last couple months, and it's from E three of. The Xbox One is getting backwards compatibility, which is smart on their part. Um, it means that people will actually upgrade from the 360 to the X-Bone. Um, and more importantly, it puts, puts uh, more importantly to me, it puts pressure on PlayStation, on Sony, to make the PS4 backwards compatible so that when I decide to upgrade, I won't be... Well, I'll be more inclined to upgrade as opposed to saying, screw it, I'm just going to keep all these games that I can play. Um, yeah, I don't know. It It's cool. It's exciting. It's one of those why hasn't this happened yet moments, but it is what it is. So I personally like it. Me owning an Xbox One, um, I'm excited about it. I, really, I haven't tried it, the backwards compatibility yet, but that just gives me hope to be able to play some of the games that uh, I loved from the Xbox 360. 
like some of the fighting games that I played, uh, like Marvel vs. Capcom or Injustice Gods Among Us, uh, some of those games. And then to be able to probably play Gears of War 1 through 3 again on the Xbox One without having to get out my Xbox 360 and setting it all up just to play them, that will be pretty exciting too. Uh, but I think, it, I think it will be the push that PS, uh, PlayStation needs to get backwards compatibility because, I mean, they were some of the first to do backwards compatibility when the PS3 came out, and then Xbox followed suit. Um, so now it's kind of like a, a reversal of that. So Yeah, well, either, this either... generation of systems has been a complete reversal of the last generation, which yeah. is interesting. It, it really is, and, you know, me always being a, an Xbox uh, um, supporter, it, it's nice to see the tides turning. Indeed. Yeah, I, I just don't console game, but I think it's just on the whole a great idea to to do that. And but doesn't doesn't affect me at all. Fair enough. Yeah, it gives me a reason to actually buy the thing. I guess, sort of, <laughs> but more of a reason than I had before. Yeah, more so, it gives you less of a reason to not upgrade. Right. Um, yeah, because before then it was like I would never upgrade because I've invested all this into all these games and, you know, if I was smart and or had the enough forethinking to get a large hard drive in my PS3, then I would have bought everything digitally and that would have worked out. Anyway, whatever is what it is. Uh, that's what she said. That's what she said. She tried to pour her heart out My dumbass let us bad out That's what she said That's what she said I don't know without me Get on off This is a real tight spot That's what she said Why do you always make it so hard That's what she said Let's move on to our future presentations Looks like up first. Yeah, okay. So how this is going to go is we've got this massive list of things. We're just going to briefly discuss uh, just everything that we've been watching. And give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down. See, yeah, recommend it or not. So first up, we've got Mr. Holmes, which I saw because it looked good. And Ian McKellen is awesome. And it's a really neat take on Sherlock Holmes when he's like 96 or something and needs to get in touch with his humanity, finally. Um, and that's what the movie is about. It follows a nice little story told through flashbacks that Sherlock Holmes is trying to remember because Watson's version that he published was not... It didn't sit right with Sherlock, and he didn't think that's how it actually happened. Um, and, yeah, it's it's a nice little story between Sherlock, Sir Ian McKellen's Sherlock Holmes, and his uh, housemaid's son. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, just a nice little story. Uh, Ian McKellen looks really old. And the score was fantastic. I remember it, this is the first time in a long time when I've seen a movie and been like, oh, wow, that score really stands out to me. 
Uh, so I, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed this movie. Definite thumbs up on my end. Andrew, so you got I, anything to say? I've, uh, I've actually heard um, quite a bit about that, good, good reviews on it. Um, but how is it available? Is it in the theater or is it video on demand? Uh, I saw it in theaters. It's into the theaters. Okay, yeah. okay. It, okay. Yeah. Uh, Just not playing around a, me, I guess. But I give, I'll give a light thumbs up to it. Uh, it, this is what I've sort of deemed the summer of pretty good <laughs> and that pretty much everything I've seen TV or movies, I've been like, Oh, that was pretty good. Yeah, uh, that's fair. Save for, save for maybe one or two things. So yeah, it was, it was pretty good. <laughs> I mean, Ian McKellen is always delightful. He's yeah. the reason to go see it mostly. Yeah. I'm going to add a caveat. Um, see this movie. Uh, you don't need to see it in theaters. You can wait until. Um, right vod or netflix or Redbox, but yeah it's it's fun if you like sherlock holmes and you like sir ian mckellen it, it's a good watch so and if you don't like sir ian mckellen then fuck you basically yeah, <laughs> yeah fair enough i can get behind that um oh and then something we could probably maybe also talk about since we're kind of talking about old people Christopher Lee passing. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of sad. So um, go to Spotify and listen to his uh, uh, symphonic metal opera version of the Don Quixote story. It's good stuff. Man of La Mancha. Christopher Lee is badass. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was an extreme badass. All right, moving on, Jacob. Yeah, we're going to double whammy this. Um, most people who have a Netflix subscription have the same problem I do where you just add like 10 or 20 movies. Any movie you see on there that you might want to watch, just add it to the queue, and so it just grows and grows and grows, even though you feel like you're watching quite a few of them. So I was going through it um, a couple weeks ago and just came across Bloodsport and was like, well... I mean, I remember watching it all the time on TV. It's a late 80s movie um, with Jean-Claude Van Damme. Uh, and so I was like, I'll just put it on and watch it. And halfway through it, I realized it was way worse than I had remembered it being. <laughs> but for whatever reason, I not only finished it, but decided to also watch Kickboxer, which was also in my Netflix queue, which is also a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie that came out in the late 80s. Um, both of these movies I remember watching all the time on basic cable growing up. Um, and I remember liking them a lot and them being really cool movies, but damn, if they just, they don't hold up at all. I'm not sure if they were good then or if it's just cause I was a kid, but I thought that they were bad on every level. I mean, Van Damme is obviously a badass, but the fight choreography is horrible and Obviously, the dialogue and the plot are all horrible. And although I still think the Expendable movies, the one and a half of them I watched, were terrible, um, this gives me a new respect for them because they are actually competently made. And I realize they have, you know, almost 30 years worth of improvements <laughs> or uh, worth of time to improve things. But Bloodsport and Kickboxer are just horrible, and it makes me not want to rewatch. A number of movies from my childhood like surf ninjas and all the three ninjas movies like i'm not watching them period i will never surf, watch those again surf ninjas doesn't hold up but three yeah. ninjas kind of holds up 
I, I know for a fact that Surf Ninjas cannot hold up. No, <laughs> there's nothing about that movie that says this will withstand the test of time. But I, I think we rented that from the movie house 50 plus times when we were little. Um, we should have just bought it, but we just kept renting it. Uh, so that's what, uh, do not watch Bloodsport or Kickboxer unless you're <laughs> a huge, you know, terrible, uh, you know, bad C movie uh, fan. Uh, both sl- thumbs down from me. Now, how do you feel about Kickboxer Vengeance with a release yeah. date of 2016? Thankfully, I, I have no plans of watching that. Oh boy, yeah. I was uh, gonna watch blood. the The plan was to watch like all the blood sports and then all the other Van Damme movies. But once I got through Kickboxer, I just was like, no, I'm done with this. So I removed all the rest of them from my queue. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I'm not sure I could point to a, a John Claude Van Damme movie that I enjoy. So. Is what it is, I guess. All right. Um, Hulu has created a TV show called Deadbeat, and season two is now available. And it's about a, a medium played by Tyler Labine. You may know him from Reaper or uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. And he goes around and is a medium and solves people's. Uh, last wish, whatever is keeping them as a ghost and not letting them move on. It's pretty dumb and silly, but it's it's fun. If you're looking for something that, like, you have 20 minutes to kill and you don't really want to get super involved, go ahead and watch it. Um, beyond, yeah, I don't know. It, it's 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 a resounding okay. Uh it definitely fits into the the summer of pretty good category, so give that a shot if you want. Uh, if you like anything Ty Labine has done, then you'll like this. But it does get go too far sometimes. Yeah, I, I see it every time I log into a uh, Hulu being advertised, and I like Tyler Labine, but maybe I'll go on the list. Yeah. Yeah. I don't log into Hulu because I don't want to pay for stupid commercials. Yep, this is fair. Hulu is the worst. All right, moving on. All right, yeah, so we're back on to me and something <laughs> uh, like one complete 180 from this, my last this one. This will not be the last time. Uh, yeah, it won't be the last time I talk, but I'll try and make it short. And that's uh, My Best Friend's Wedding, 1997, uh, stars Julia Roberts, Dol- uh, Dermot Mulrooney, not to be confused with Dylan McDermott, uh, Cameron Diaz, and Rupert, uh, Rupert Everett. Uh, this was obviously, well, maybe not obviously, but this was not a, a Jacob's Choice viewing. This was the um, woman who lives with Jacob's Choice viewing. And uh, so I'm just here to give it a, um, a eh, I'd say a slight thumbs up, uh, obviously. I wouldn't watch it again just for my own shits and giggles, but there are far worse movies to watch with your spouse or significant other. And it's fun enough, but uh, definitely not a quote-unquote guy movie and uh, not the best of the romantic comedies, but it's uh, it's far from the worst. So mid- middling thumbs up, I guess. 
Yeah, I feel like I might have seen part of this when it was on TV and my parents were watching it. Yeah, I'd but... watched it once when I was, I mean, it came out when I was 10, so sometime around there I'd watched it on cable before, uh, you know, a little bit. Back when it was, you know, if it was on TNT or whatever, you'd just watch it. Um, but the the next thing I'm going to talk about, because I'm going to keep talking here, is something that gets a, a huge rave from me, which is Chef's Table. It's a Netflix original, and it is a multi-part series, and each episode of the series focuses on a uh, modern, uh, extremely well-renowned chef. Uh, the chefs that they've done so far have had a, you know, a couple Michelin stars, and what it does is it just does a, a real deep dive. So here's, so in each episode, it's here's the chef, this is what the chef does, here's his restaurants, here's a bit about his, his history, his life, his background, what he brings to the culinary arts, and it's got interviews with the chef, the chef's family, uh, certain critics. Obviously, the critics are different every episode because different critics in different regions um, you know, have different publications and, and stuff. But I've seen the first two episodes, and huge thumbs up. Uh, if you were a fan of Euro Dreams of, uh, uh, Dreams of Sushi or any kind of similar – uh, films, it, it's a big thumbs up, and same with the Anthony Anthony Bourdain shows. If you're into those kinds of things, this is definitely up your alley. Cool, that definitely pops up on Netflix. Saying hey, watch yeah, all me. the time. It's a it's a ban. It's one of the banner shows. Yeah, you know, that always pops up when you log on. So. Good to hear that it's it's quality. So. All right, uh, Andrew, you want to introduce that next one there? Yeah, uh, this is also a bit of a well, that's new, but I, this going off of Jacob sort of discovering stuff. Uh, uh, my sister had been berating me to watch this. Sh I'm basically back at home with the family right now, and she'd been berating me to watch uh, the BBC Sherlock series, which I've always wanted to watch, but I just never got around to it. Uh, so I finally started that with her. Uh, this uh, summer, and uh, I think I'm left with just one episode, I believe, of season three. But uh, yeah, I mean, it lives up to all the hype I've heard of it. I love it, love it, love it. I, you know, I, I've nothing more to say more than anyone else. It's uh, uh, very wittily written, uh, uh, impeccably acted by the Martin Freeman and Benedict Cumberbatch, along with uh, the whole great supporting cast, and. Most of all, it's just I don't. I'm impressed with how warm it is. Like the the whole plotting of the mysteries is and the cases are great, but the thing that sticks with me most of all is just the great relationship between the two main characters and sort of the humor that runs through the whole show. It really is like the word that I kept trying to think of. Like how would I describe this most of all is delightful. <laughs> like it's a really just a, a delight to watch. Because so I mean. It's thrilling, like to like let me say it is. It can be incredibly thrilling and exciting, but there, you know, it almost always turns out okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's not really a lot of loss on the show, which isn't a bad thing. I it it hits just the right tone, and it really, I mean, even beyond the cases, uh, it really is a show about what one of the characters says about a great man becoming a good man. 
which is describes uh, the the show Sherlock perfectly. But I'm 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 loving every minute of it so far. Yeah, uh, it it's one of Devin's favorite shows, which is good because if we need to rewatch something, we can just toss in Sherlock. Um, so it's yeah, it's definitely brilliant. Cumberbatch and um, crap, blanking on his name, Martin Freeman. 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 Martin Freeman. Yeah. Yeah, they're both really great actors, and they work so well together. Uh, it's just brilliant to watch. Um, the wedding episode, season three, episode two, came out just right after it. we got uh, engaged. So it kind of has a personal touch there. So yeah, all around great and it's it's one of those shows that's really smart not just in its writing but it also treats its audience as they're as as if they're smart it doesn't force feed us things like they'll pop up with somebody's reading a text and instead of saying the actor the character saying it out loud reading it out loud which nobody does it just pops right. the text up on the screen and it's like oh our audience can read um that's or I was going to say on the other side of that too, it's also smart enough that there are certain things that just don't make necessarily complete and utter logical sense in the real world. But the show acknowledges like it's a, you know, come yeah. on, like j just go with it. Like the show is, is sort of being like, it will sometimes even directly say like, you know, like it, that doesn't matter, which is, which is true. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a fun romp. So you know, the I don't need the details on exactly how Sherlock hacked so and so or whatever, and I like that the show only gives you what's necessary and sort of let the, the rest slide for the sake of the the entertainment. Yeah, Sherlock, I love Sherlock. Um, I'm excited for the new special that's coming out that they're doing uh, this Christmas, uh, going back into the Victorian uh, days. Yeah, so I wonder how that's gonna work, but I mean, it's a it's a great show. Those two, like you guys are saying, are amazing together. Um, the whole cast, actually, everything about that show is done professionally, done well. It just it engages you the whole time. There, I can I can't say anything bad about that show, whatsoever. Yeah, I'll I'll echo everything that you guys have said, and then just the thing that I'll add is that I think the in addition to all that what's really cool is that it's it seems to be something that everybody involved loves to do and loves it so much that and the BBC seems to love it so much that they're they've taken kind of a we'll we'll do it as we can sort of a mindset which is that you know all these people are hugely in demand now uh, the actors the writers everybody has jumped up several pegs since it began and so obviously with everybody that busy, it's much more difficult to get everybody in a room together to write it and to film it and all that. And so they've just said, you know what? It might take us a year and a half to get it done. It might take us two years to get it done. We might be able to do a special instead of three episodes. We might be able to only do three episodes instead of six episodes. But you know what? We'll get it done. It'll come out when it comes out. The fans will love it, and everybody will keep chugging along. And I think that's a cool way to do business. Indeed. Because, yeah, I mean, as long as it doesn't come out in like three or four years every time. <laughs> but, I mean, I can wait a little longer to get that because I know I'll watch it more than once. That's the thing. And it's just every time you watch 
a sh episode of Sherlock, you, you notice more things that they actually put in the show that you didn't realize before. You know, there's a lot of cool things. So, yeah. The one bad thing I can say about it is uh, <gasps> something Andrew touched on, and it, it's a Stephen Moffat show, and that means there's almost no stakes uh, pretty much ever. But that, That's true, but I think it works kind of with that yeah. show. I mean, yeah, this this is it definitely does work, uh, but I, I guess that's a, a small slap on the wrist. But sure, I I could see that. But a uh, big big props to to that show, and you know, very yeah. very good. And I'm hopefully they can keep those actors on contract because I mean they're so popular now. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure how much longer they can go. Well, I think, yeah, that everyone loves doing it, it seems. So I think they'll be able to work something out. I'm hoping. So, yeah, all good things. Good stuff. I guess that's four solid thumbs up for Sherlock. Yeah. Yay. Technically eight, because I'm giving it two. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. All I'm right. That'd be, that'd, be, that'd be six. six. What are my... I don't know how to math. No, it's six. Six solid. Unless I'm counting my toes. All right, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Ret retract. I guess I'll uh, I'll hop back into things here with uh, my next recommendation, which is a documentary on Netflix called Inequality for All. One thing that I've started doing, just because, like I had said, my queue has gotten huge. A lot of the movies in my queue are. Um, they're documentaries, but they're documentaries that aren't acclaimed for their construction, but more for their informative nature or the the topic um, that they've uh, or that they're covering. So what I've been doing with these is I've been watching them at work during my breaks um, and my lunch breaks. I've been watching them in 15 and 30 minute chunks, which is not how I would recommend watching a film, obviously, and not even a documentary that was. Uh, I mean, I don't want to say skillfully put together because, I mean, most of these are skillfully put together, but something like Exit Through the Gift Shop, which is, like, extremely well-made and is as much about the film that was made as it is about the subjects of the film. Uh, with these documentaries, it's more about the information that's come across that I'm interested in, so I don't mind eating it in small chunks. So Inequality for All is a documentary that is basically uh, made by and narrated by Robert Reich. He was a labor secretary under Clinton. Um, he's a big economic bigwig, and it's just about the economic gap. Uh, some of it is about stuff that happened 20 years ago. Some of it's about the mortgage crisis, the financial crisis, uh, Wall Street bailouts, all that stuff. Um, I thought it was interesting and well worth the watch. Uh, it's not, like I was saying, it's it's skillfully put together, but it's not masterfully put together, which is why I don't think you need to you know, spend too much time paying attention to it as long as you're spending uh, enough time and attention in order to absorb the facts like you would a podcast, which is kind of how I ended up watching it, except for there are some, uh, uh, some title cards and stuff that, that you should read. So you do need to pay attention visually, but you don't need to have it uh, be the foremost thought in your mind. But other than that, 
thumbs up. Cool. I have never heard of that before, so thank you. It's on you. Netflix. All right, Andrew, what do you have? Alrighty. Uh, I uh, rewatched the uh, film Wet Hot American Summer this summer to uh, prepare myself for the release of, uh, I believe it was only a couple weeks ago, the uh, Netflix release of the Wet Hot American Summer prequel, First Day at Camp, which I binged through in about, I want to say, three days, maybe a little less, two days. Um, and again, continuing the summer pretty good. It was pretty good. That was, that was, that was my reaction to it. Um, uh, some stuff hits really well and as good as anything in the movie. Uh, a lot of stuff hit not so well, uh, and has a problem that all comedy sequels, even though it's a prequel, do, which is, uh, when you start out with something that's so broad, making it broader isn't always the best thing to do. Uh... But uh, I still recommend it. It's incredibly easy to go through because it's just joke on joke on joke on joke on joke. Uh, you know, it has a ridiculous plot. You know, per the usual of what the last, you know, the film had. Uh, but again, it's just it's really just an excuse to have gags. Uh, but it has a great cast. You know, a lot of guest stars in it: um, John Slattery, uh, John Hamm, Chris Pine. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, not as good as the movie, but uh, still uh, an amusing sort of and perfectly made for summer sort of uh, jaunt that you can get through. I think it's about 10 episodes, I want to say. Yeah, 10 episodes. Uh, so pretty easy to, to, to uh, go through. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a few episodes in. I mean, in, you know, at first, like, the, the name Wet Hot American Summer sounds so dirty and raunchy, but I mean, it, it's just it, it's once you actually watch it, you understand it's just it's just so funny. I, I love the movie. Uh, it's got a great cast, and then I know that they released the making of like a documentary of mm -hmm. making that movie on Netflix. I haven't been meaning to watch, but it's just so funny. It's because like all these people that are in this movie were just literally starting out. Um, I watched the trailer and. and Paul Rudd was talking about how um, he literally was doing nothing else with his career. He's like, I want to be in this movie. And so with the same thing with like Bradley Cooper and like all these people are just getting their starts. And it's not, it's nice to see all those people. What, when you watch the movie, you're like, Oh my God, look what they've done now. And then like, what the funniest part about it is that all these people are literally playing their same characters, but <laughs> they're trying to act like themselves. Tw uh, 14 years ago because I think this movie came out in 2001 right? Yeah. Okay so it's like yeah. 14 years ago and then I mean they've all gotten older they've all some of them got bigger heavier and, and it's just like they're playing their exact same character which is which is phenomenal it's awesome it's just so funny not a fan hmm not a fan um, of the movie or the show? I didn't watch the show. Not a fan of the movie. Um, and it's a movie I actually, because obviously, I mean, I'm not dumb to the fact that it's like a extremely popular movie, especially in comedy circles. People whose comedy I love hold, put this up on a pedestal. So uh, I'm not naive to that fact and do plan on giving it another try later. I think it might just be that I don't like this that style of uh, kind of absurdist comedy. 
Uh, I don't like the state, which a lot of people also like. Um, so it, it could just be that. It could just be a taste thing, but just not a fan. And I did watch the movie. It was a couple of years ago, but it wasn't that long ago. Yeah, I'm with Jacob. Um, I've not actually seen the movie, but I, I was planning on watching the prequel and then the movie to see how that played out and got like two episodes in. I was like, I'm not going to invest the time. I'll probably still watch the movie at some point, but it's it's not high on my list. And I mean, I love so many people in that movie. Right. I mean, I mean, just I don't know if there's anybody in the movie who I don't like separate from the movie, but yeah, I think it's just not my comedy styling. But I mean, it's absurd. It's I mean, it's it's absurd for sure, and it goes a little too far. But I mean, I just, it's just funny seeing all those characters playing these. All those people playing these types of characters, you know, that I guess that's what I like the most about it, is just seeing them go, I guess, crazy or just kind of out of their zone, which you never would think. Like Christopher Maloney, you'd never expect him to do or say some of the stuff that he does in this movie, which makes it funnier, I guess, to me. Yeah, he's so good in that, <laughs> in both of them. He's my favorite. Um, I, I don't know. I'm a big fan of the movie. It's it's incredibly stupid, but it's the, it's the sort of knowingly stupid that I'm a I'm a big fan of. Yeah, it doesn't try to not be stupid, which is good. So, yeah. All right, let's move on. All right. Yeah. So uh, who'd have guessed it? Back to me. Uh, so uh, the next movie I'm going to talk about, I'll also give away that it's going to get a thumbs up and it's called the Duff. It came out earlier this year. Duff stands for designated ugly fat friend. And the titular Duff in the movie is aside from everybody. Um, it's Mae Whitman who would be, I mean, if she's your designated ugly fat friend, uh, you will probably blind people with your like good looks, um, and obviously love her from you know Parenthood, numerous movies, um, but this this movie, like I said, uh, gets a thumbs up from me. It was a date night movie. I figured it was something that my fiance would like, so we rented it from Redbox, uh, and it is. It's it's a comedy kind of teen romantic comedy type of deal it's uh it's one of those that has like a pretty good message about how you you know should love yourself and how everybody has self-image issues and that sort of thing but it, it plays a lot better than like the after school special of that sounds um it also has robbie amell for the dan um arrow uh, flash crowd uh stephen amell's cousin right yes yep um, and, and he's really good in it. He plays the 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 jock um, asshole, but in this, he's not an asshole. I mean, he's like a womanizer and a player, but he's a womanizer and a player and as much as like a lot of guys who look like that would, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're assholes. Just like her friends who are the quote-unquote pretty popular people in a lesser movie, they might be these like evil 
pretty girls who just keep her around because she's smart or whatever. But in this movie, no, like they're full people. Like they're, they're pretty nice. They have their own flaws. They like her as a person. Uh, they don't like the fact that um, people treat her like that or that she sees herself like that. So it, it's a good movie. It's, it's good to watch. Um, I mean, obviously like if anybody listening to this has like a teen daughter or a teen son, uh, it's, it's a good movie for that, like a whole family type of experience, uh, for smaller kids, wouldn't recommend it. There is, you know, a decent amount of sexual stuff, even though it's just PG 13, but it's also for, you know, adults, anybody who's, anybody who's been to high school can relate to a lot of the stuff that's going on in here, whether you were, you know, the popular kid or like many of us, I imagine the nerdy kid, but it's fun. And Ken Jong's in it and there's not too much Ken Jong, which in a lot of things he's in, there's too much Ken Jeong. This is true. I haven't heard it or seen it, but it, I've heard it's pretty good. So yeah, I heard it was pretty good too. Yeah. Cool. Good. All right. What's next? Uh, Pixar Inside Out. Good movie. Uh, I imagine it's much more. I don't know. It's it's Pixar. It's it rarely does Pixar do less than great. Um and this doesn't disappoint. <coughs> Cars uh, do. <coughs> yeah, yeah, rarely. Like I said, not never. Um and yeah, Cars 2 is okay. It's fine. It's whatever. It is. It exists. Inside Out is is really good. Uh I enjoyed it thoroughly it's about uh the emotions of a nine-year-old girl ten-year-old girl i don't know young girl who is uprooted from her life in minnesota and moves to san francisco and uh it's a coming of age story learning how to process emotions and uh yeah it, it's it's really well done with one gaping plot hole that you have to ignore to thoroughly enjoy it. But it is what it is. I second that great movie. Loved it. Um, definitely got a little emotional watching it because, you know, there's a lot of this. It, it really hits home. To, I mean, if it doesn't hit home to everybody watching that movie, then, I mean, it, I, I don't know what's going on. But it, it's, some, it's one of those movies is you kind of understand what they're going through, even though it's not you, you mm -hmm. completely get it. Um, the emotions, uh, everybody who, all the, the, the entire voice cast was great. Um, the story was a great story. Uh, the visual, it was visually stunning, uh, as well. I thought it was just, I thought it's one of their best ones they've done. Um, truly. So, uh, I was a little, well, I, again, let me preface. I thought it was great. Uh, I don't think I put it up there in like the upper echelon of Pixar movies. But uh, again, it was it was one of the few movies I saw this summer that I thought was legitimately great. Um, again, I, I I don't know. Maybe it just didn't hit me as hard as most people. I, I so I would I would probably say it was to me kind of a little overrated. You're but, a monster. Uh, <laughs> You're a monster. <laughs> I said it was great. Damn it! I still thought it was great just not amazing like i was seeing a lot of four to four stars and such um 
I won't get into all of that because we can talk about the movie for a while. But uh, yeah, I mean, perfect casting. You can't get better casting than that movie. Yeah. Uh, some of the best casting I, I think I've ever seen. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it definitely continues the tradition of quality Pixar heart mixed with hysterical humor. Uh, and uh, I would say that Ingbaugh is one of my favorite Pixar characters of Bing Bong. In, yep. in the canon. Yeah, yep. that's the one that got that got me the most. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's if there, I would say if there's, it's one of the must see movies of the summer. That you need to if you haven't seen it, the hype is is real. So go go out and see it. And it's so good looking. It yeah. is. Yeah, it's just beautiful. It also is one of the best post-credit, or not post, but during-credit gags I've seen in a while. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, man. Yeah. little insight into the mind of a cat. That was amazing. <laughs> like, I lost my, my mind watching it for. It's so and the, true. And the dogs and then the, the bus driver. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that um, whole sequence is, is That was great. Wonderful. Sweet. It was fantastic. All right. Uh, I'm going to take a little break while uh, Jacob talks about some stuff. <laughs> All right. So I'm, I'm going to talk about a couple things real quick, and they're going to kind of run into each other. Well, at least the first two will. Um, the first is what's called Bachelor in Paradise, which is, <laughs> some, which is something I did not know about until I started watching Bachelor in Paradise. And that's because my fiance is a huge fan of The Bachelor, Bachelorette, and stuff. And so obviously it's it's on on occasion, and I try and listen to a podcast or read or do something else while it's on. But they're, those shows are such train wrecks that it's hard not to pay attention to them when they're on in the room with you because there's always somebody crying or someone getting half naked or someone trying to sleep with someone else, It's it's and it's horrible. But it's just like a car wreck it's hard to take your eyes off of. So – Something I didn't know was that apparently they take all the people who are big losers on that show, and they've started throwing them all on a tropical island or something together, and they do process of elimination and just go from like 10 dudes and 10 chicks down to a couple dudes and a couple chicks. And it's the same thing where they're pairing off, they're trying to sleep with each other, they're doing this, they're doing that. My fiance says that it's very funny. Um, I say that it just makes people feel better about themselves because these idiots are looking like idiots on uh, TV. But since she was so into those shows, uh, oh, and it gets a thumbs down from me, by the way, if you couldn't tell. Um, <laughs> but since she's so into those shows, I had been hearing about a show that was airing on Lifetime, I believe, called Unreal, which is kind of a faux reality show um, that's actually a scripted show that is supposed to take place kind of behind uh, behind the scenes of a Bachelor-type show. Um, so Unreal, which, like I said, I believe airs on Lifetime. It stars Sherry Appleby and Constance Zimmer uh, and then Craig Bierko. And what it is is it's, it's literally behind-the-scenes look at everything that is involved with a show like that. Uh, but it's scripted. And so you see how... Oh, and it's, I'm sorry, it's created by Marty Noxon, who uh, was a big um, Joss Whedon acolyte, wrote, and I think was actually showrunner at the point of about season six of Buffy when Whedon had kind of gone off to do Angel and Firefly. So she's from that camp. 
she had also written on some of these reality shows. And so one thing that I always point out when watching those reality shows is how staged everything is. And some people realize that and some people don't. But when you see a show like Unreal, uh, it, it kind of exploits that and points that out and uses that for drama and uses that for character development of the main characters of the show, not the characters of the dating show within the show. But, uh, I mean, the acting is really good. The writing is really smart and clever. And so as someone who strongly dislikes those reality shows mm-hmm. and thinks they're stupid, I really appreciate this show and thinks that it's uh, and think that it's really smart. Mm-hmm. And then my fiance, although she seems to enjoy it less than I do, uh, she is into it. And she was one of those people who was saying, like, you know, I knew that it was fake. But I wonder if it's actually this fake. I wonder if this is actually how it goes or if this is something that this show has created because it needs a narrative to, to kind of to drive. But so I strongly recommend Unreal for anybody who has time to watch another TV show because there's obviously a million great ones out there. But it doesn't matter if you like or dislike these reality shows. You should probably have some idea about how they work. It'll help you get a little bit more out of Unreal. But it's just a good show to begin with. Um, I'm four episodes in, four or five episodes in, and I'm going to watch all of them. I've heard good things about the ones that I haven't seen yet. And just looking forward to to a, a sit down with the fiancé to finish these off. It's something that we can agree on with TV. Uh, yeah, just uh, news for everybody. Looking at the website for Bachelor in Paradise, apparently tonight Megan Bell arrives in Paradise. That means yeah. anything to you. <laughs> nothing, yeah. nothing to me, thankfully. <laughs> she also seems it's quoted in this video that she seems sure that you're supposed to call Mexico the country old Mexico. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's what it says. I, I don't doubt that. Oh my god. <laughs> but, um, uh, <laughs> what is wrong with this world? So so yes. So uh, watch Unreal, not Bachelor in Paradise. And in fact, um, I'll start moving on to my next show. Watch Unreal, not True Detective season two, because it is, um, excuse my language, fucking horrible. Mm. And and as someone who watched every single minute of every single episode of season two, it is fucking horrible. Um, and I was kind of hoping that they'd pull something out of somewhere to make it. I mean, I wasn't expecting it to, in retrospect, be great. But I was hoping that, in retrospect, I wouldn't have felt like my time was wasted. Which I so I felt that the show in season two was also was not great, but also was wasted time. Which neither of those things I felt about season one. Uh, I was a big fan of season one, obviously, uh, a big fan of McCann- uh, McConaughey and Woody Harrelson, uh, but also the mystery. But also, I wasn't disappointed by the end of it. And this one just disappointed me to no end. And the only reason I'll watch a season three if it comes out is because I know the show is possible of hitting the heights of season one. But if this season, if this was a brand new show called, you know, California Adventures or whatever, and I watched it, I probably would have lasted an episode and a half and then never watched another episode, no matter how many seasons it ran. So do not watch it. Um, Sounds like a thumbs up to me. A little bit of a light thumbs up. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't go that far. Uh, I mean, I, yeah, I thought the season 
was not as good as the first, but I mean that's I think that was a lot of problem with uh, people were doing. They were comparing the first season to the second. You you really can't because it's it's an anthology. There's there's no correlation to the to the one to the other in my opinion. Um, I thought all the acting was great. I thought the cast was a great cast. The story was shit. Yes, the story was shit, but I think it paid off to an extent in the final two episodes. Um, by all means, was it, was it great? No. Was it good? I thought it was good. I thought I, it, I mean, I, I would hundred percent agree on the actors. I thought aside from, and I mean, this is just me kind of jumping on the bandwagon here, but I, I think it's for a reason. Um, Vince, uh, Vince Vaughn was really hit or miss with the dialogue. Sometimes he nailed it. And sometimes I thought that he was just kind of elsewhere. But everybody else I thought did a really good job. But, I mean, the dialogue that they were given I thought was horrible. The plotting was horrible. The, the character motivations were bad. Um, but, I mean, I, I love uh, Colin Farrell, um, Rachel McAdams, I mean, even Taylor Kitsch, mostly from Friday Night Lights, and not anything else he's done since then. I'm big fans of, but, yeah, it just could not pull it together for me. Yeah, I watched the first episode of the season and uh, haven't watched another one because I, I I watched the first episode and I, I watched it and, like, I, I felt like if this was the pilot of another show, I wouldn't watch this. And then I sort of just waited to see what the response was. And then uh, and it wasn't was like, good. And I was like, well, I guess I'm not watching that. But the weirdest thing to me that people were saying about it is the defenders of it kept saying, even like halfway through when everyone was bitching on it, they were like, don't worry, it will pull through in the end. And my thing was like, who cares if it has a good ending if you don't give a shit? Like, like that's what I guess I didn't get. They were like, like, yeah, but the mystery's gonna all come together. It's like, but you don't care about anything that's happening. Like, right. so no, I don't exactly. see why that's benefit beneficial. Like, so it explains who did it. Who cares? Like, if the sh if the story's not good, who gives a shit if they like, you know? It's like, oh, it was that guy? Great. Now I'm satisfied. It's like, no. Well, yeah, and, <laughs> and that's that's ex that's exactly what I was um what I was saying, which is that. You know, if they would have stuck the landing, it would have been like, well, you know what? It was a shitty show, but at least they stuck the landing. But now it's like, well, it's a shitty show, and they screwed up the ending too. And I mean, it's obviously, as far as I'm concerned. Um, but yeah, there was no way. I don't know that there's anything possible that could have been done, no matter who wrote it, what they wrote. I don't think it would have been possible for anything in the last episode or two to make me think that I hadn't wasted a lot of my time. Uh, but right, it, it didn't. And it didn't even help. The main reason I didn't watch it, and this, I mean, I'm commenting from a sort of passive observer, was people would say I watched the pilot, and I was like, and then people, even by the second episode, when people are being like, they still got time, and I was like, no, they don't. <laughs> you have it's eight episodes. The best thing about the first True Detective of in doing eight episodes is you know that it should be tight. Like, every episode should be full of quality. That's why you do sh small seasons like that. So you well, can and, make it it... Re and it re... I mean, I know that you didn't watch it, but it reset itself halfway through. So, <laughs> re so, so really, it didn't have eight episodes. It had, like, six and a half, because half the stuff from the first couple episodes was basically meaningless. And so it was just... It's an... 
everything was just so odd about it. I mean, the pacing, the plot, the characters, uh, the, the acting was good most of the time. But, you know, sometimes there's even, there's only so much that a good actor can, can pull out of bad material. Great. I was in the minority of season one thinking that it was good, but eh. like that, I wasn't as enthralled it with it as everyone else. Um, and so when season two started and people were like, oh, this is bad, I'm, I, was, I just dodged a bullet by not even bothering. So, yeah. It, yeah. Uh, yeah. I wish I enjoyed season one better, and I should probably revisit it, but I think the problem was that I kind of watched it in the background, uh, not fully paying attention to it. So, um, yeah, that's on me. So, three huge thumbs up for True Detective season two. This episode is split into two episodes due to the length and breadth of what we were talking about. So this wraps up part one. Come on back for episode 58 where we will talk about the rest of the stuff we've been watching this summer. As always, thank you for listening. Check out our other shows at almproductions.net. Feel free to leave us feedback at thecinemasters.blogspot.com. TheCinemasters at gmail.com is our email. You can shoot us an email there. And until next time, I am Daniel Janes signing off for Tyler Crouch, Jacob Lynn, and Andrew Miller. Podcast is an autological media productions podcast. You can leave us feedback at thecinemasters.blogspot.com or send us an email at thecinemasters at gmail.com. Please rate and review us on iTunes and like us on Facebook and go over to almppodcasts.blogspot.com to check out our other shows. As always, thank you for listening. I like it. I know, it's great, right? Another! Storm in the castle. Think it'll work? It would take a miracle. Bye-bye. Bye.